Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Those who aren't seated, if they would like to be seated now, please. Tad, that's meant you too. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to another uh, and the final meeting of SACPAW for this calendar year. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy yourself. Uh, my name's Austin Fennell. I'll act as the moderator today. Um, and if any of you have got cell phones, please check to see that they're turned off. Um, lunch is $11. Please put that in the basket on the table, and if somebody at your table will please count up the contents of the basket to see if everybody has paid. And speaking of paid, we do like to have people who be, will become members of SIPAW, and you can see, seek our administrator at the end of the meeting if you'd like to uh, become a member. Uh, we thank various organizations for the support of SACPAW, the University of Lethbridge that supports us in a variety of ways, Shaw TV, CKXU 88.3 FM uh, Radio Live, and the Lethbridge Herald. And then, of course, we're aware that there are other uh, uh, media agencies that come to uh, report in our meetings today. Um, we'll uh, hear from our speaker, and he's... Uh, He's got about a half an hour to speak to us, or a little bit less, and, um, and then we'll have lunch, and then about one o'clock we have two special little things to tell you about, and then we'll have a question, period. Uh, Dr. Hilary Rodriguez, Rod, I had it perfectly a little while ago, Rodriguez, um, is a professor in the Faculty of Religious Studies. Um, but he has a whole lot of side interests, and I think it's quite interesting to discover that he served as the Board of Governors Teaching Chair. That's a very distinguished position for you to have, as well as to receive an award as distinguished teacher. Those are excellent things. I'm sure your students uh, were pleased to recommend you for those purposes. Well, you're our guest speaker today. You're going to speak about Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Doctor. Thank you, Austin. Thanks, Knud, for inviting me. Hello, everyone. Is that good? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't long after I sat down to write this talk that I began to wonder why in heaven's name I decided or agreed to do it. Because there's no winning in this, right? No matter which opinion I hold, whether it should be Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, I'm definitely going to have rubbed someone the wrong way. And so when I reflected further on why I'd chosen to do it, I figured that it's probably because it tickled some perverse dimension of my psyche. Now, there are many perverse dimensions in my psyche, so let me clarify a little bit. The whole issue of whether we should greet someone with a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holidays is a great example of the quirky realities of being human. 
And drawing our attention to those quirky dimensions seems to give me some perverse pleasure. Maybe it's because I, I find that observing our plight and attending to its complexities, while they don't necessarily ameliorate the awkwardness or even the pain and conflict that such situations induce, examining them closely can sometimes help to reorient us. <clears throat> they reorient us favorably. They reorient us back in the direction of our humanity rather than towards mere righteousness. And here in my terminology, I'm drawing upon the wisdom of Confucius, the renowned Chinese teacher. And I'll come back to him, I hope, later on in this talk. So let me start by laying the issue out a little bit. Who among us has not had to deal with at least one of these awkward scenarios on occasion? Someone greets you with a cheery Merry Christmas, or you greet someone with a cheery Merry Christmas as the season grows near. It's already happened to you, I'm sure, only to see the person return your greeting with some sort of an unsatisfying response, a frown, a scowl, a look of dismay. Or you greet someone with the politically correct, seemingly generic, happy holidays, only to be met with one or more of the same assortment of responses. The scars from these encounters have left you wondering just how to respond to the next stranger. Anxious, even paralyzed by uncertainty, as if you were faced by a vagrant with booze on his breath asking you for some spare change for a bus ticket home. What a relief it is when New Year arrives and you can simply greet everyone with a happy New Year. I'm certainly no stranger to these dilemmas, and I know that they can be far more painful and onerous for some of us than the relatively benign scenarios that I've just painted, which at most cause us a little emotional conflict and confusion. In schools, businesses, public places of employment, the seemingly innocuous holiday or religious festival greeting can induce more powerful emotions resulting in protests, angry editorials, attempts at policy changes, boycotts, and more. I sometimes think that some of these problems are growing pains in a nation that's growing more religiously pluralist, not just in its underlying principles and values, but in its real demographic configurations. Let me tell you a bit about some of my own experiences. People often make assumptions about my religious orientation based on my appearance and profession. I was born in India, and I specialize in the study of Eastern religions. So it's quite common for people in Canada to make the assumption that I'm Hindu or a Buddhist. I'm neither. The vast majority of people in India are Hindus. But Hinduism is a complex and varied religious tradition with many different sects. It is polytheistic. Some people prefer to worship, say, Krishna, more so than Shiva, and don't make much of a fuss when greeted with a happy Mahashivaratri or happy Krishna Janmashtami on those respective festival days. In fact, the Indians don't make much of a fuss when a Muslim says happy Muharram or a Christian offers a, merry, a greeting of Merry Christmas. In my experience, and I don't only remember this from my childhood because I continue to conduct fieldwork in India, 
<clears throat> regularly, Indians, perhaps because they have lived for a long time in a religiously pluralistic nation, do not generally make a fuss about their neighbors greeting them with the traditional wishes of their chosen denominations. I am generalizing somewhat, but, if, but children of all religions in India grow up wishing each other Happy Diwali or Merry Christmas because these are big celebrations whose festive joy is shared by all. It's probably a vestige of the period of British rule in India, but in India, Christmas is a state holiday even though Christians constitute only about 2.5% of the population. Now, can you imagine all the people of Canada nationally celebrating the important holidays of our Aboriginal fellows who form about 4.5% of the total Canadian population? Personally, I can, and I think it would be delightful. One more holiday in the mix. Hey. I'm good with that. In India, Diwali is celebrated with fireworks and the festival of Holi by splashing color on people. And nobody in India is exempt, regardless of their religion. And who wouldn't want to get into the non-religious fun of those festivals? Now, it doesn't really mean that those, there aren't segments within the Muslim and Christian populations in India with strong missionary inclinations who would love to see everyone in the country convert to their own respective faiths. And would be equally naive to imply that there aren't tensions among these religious groups, tensions that sometimes erupt with deadly consequences for everyone. Switching to my personal experiences of festive greetings in Canada rather than in India, I'd like to share with you how I face them in two different but somewhat related contexts. Uh, they're related because both had some sort of a religious or spiritual angle, and they're different for reasons I'll explain. The first was when I taught um, at and temporarily administered an alternate education school in British Columbia. The school was based on the educational philosophy of a man a spiritual, an Indian-born spiritual teacher named Jiddu Krishnamurti. Krishnamurti was raised and groomed as a sort of spiritual puppet and voice for the Theosophical Society, an organization that promotes the honorable notion inscribed on their motto that there is no religion higher than truth. That's the motto of the Theosophists. So it promotes the study of all religions, science, and so on, for within these are embedded the distilled essence of humanity's wisdom. Krishnamurti was groomed to be a sort of messiah that would preach the theosophical message. However, he eventually broke with the theosophical society and went on to teach that organized religions, religious ideologies, in fact, ideologies of any kind, blind faith, slavish adherence to traditions and teachers, including himself, were all potential impediments, impediments in one's quest for truth and freedom. He pointed to self-reliance and self-observation as vital ingredients in the process of discovering the sources of human conflict. Social conflict, he taught, generally mirrored the conflict in our own psyches. So you can just imagine the kind of conflict that arose in a school 
based on his philosophy when the Christmas holidays arrived. There were those who suggested that perhaps the Christmas holidays shouldn't happen at all. But mostly everyone discounted that idea because everybody wanted a holiday of some kind. <laughs> you know. Others suggested that even the mention of Christmas was problematic because it tacitly supported Christianity, organized religion, banal ritualism, gross consumerism, and a host of other ailments that accompany the Christmas season. A few suggested that people should, should be free to say and do what they wanted, even though the school itself would not promote any particular religion or religious framework. After all, the philosophical spirit behind the school was supposed to be not be prescriptive, but to encourage self-observation, as our religious, cultural, and ideological conditionings played out in our interactions <coughs> with each other. It was a wonderfully instructive period to watch each of our behaviors as we related to each other. And a remarkable illustration of Krishnamurti's observations about our tendencies to cling to traditions, how our inflated sense of righteousness or simply needing to be right can cause a lot of personal grief as well as conflict within our social groups. My other related experience was during grad school in a religious studies department where some fellow students raised the, obje uh, the objection about the upcoming Christmas party. They demanded that we either celebrate every other religious holiday or none at all. Why not Vesak, which simultaneously separates the Buddha's birth, his attainment of nirvana, and his parinirvana, his final passing? What about the Jewish, Muslim, First Nations, Hindu, and other religious holidays? As budding secular scholars of religion, weren't we supposed to treat religion even-handedly, without special allegiance to anyone in particular? Weren't we supposed to be secular and objective and thus celebrate or promote nothing? Sure, but then there were many of us who were, Jews, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, and so on, despite our scholarly orientation to the secular academic study of religion. I honestly can't remember how things were apparently resolved. But I do recall certain people attaching Christmas decorations on their doors, and the semester end party did have inevitable Christmas themes and motifs of bells, candy canes, reds and greens, stars, even if a nativity scene was absent that year. Now, these experiences took place decades ago and were isolated to settings that were particularly invested in the scrutiny of religion and its presentation. Since then, however, it seems to me that the same controversies have become far more mainstream. So how should we greet each other at this time of year? My suggestion? Any way you like. As long as the spirit behind it is genuinely benign and not overly zealous. For me, the issue is mostly a matter of free speech. And we should feel free to express our thoughts and feelings to each other as long as we stay within reasonable, socially acceptable parameters. A well-intentioned greeting is not and should not be construed as hate speech. I may not like that you greet me with a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holidays, but I sure as heck should defend the, your right to say it, particularly if I'm interested in the preservation of some fundamental civil liberties. 
Now, why might I get upset if I was greeted? Well, for those of us who are not Christians, the greeting may carry with it more than just an innocent statement of well-wishing at a joyous time of year. It may carry undertones or overtones of proselytization. This can be somewhat annoying, but it's not much more offensive than having a billboard impairing your view of the skyline or a commercial breaking the continuity of your favorite TV show. Of course, in this case, it's tacitly peddling more than shampoo or burgers, but a worldview, a cosmic vision of you, your soul, your place in the universe for all eternity. But I'm fairly sure there haven't been too many folk who've been converted to a religion because they were inundated with festive greetings by people in that religion. I don't know of any cases of folk who, after being greeted by a lot of happy Muharrams or happy Hanukkahs, just said, oh, heck, those greetings are awesome. Sign me up. I'll be a Muslim or a Jew. Although I cited my experience, my past experiences with people taking issue at Merry Christmas, a particularly large, a large vocal group is also made up of those who regard generic greetings, such as happy holidays or season's greetings, as but one of the many fronts of the war on Christmas. This is even odder, because here the offense felt by the recipient of the generic greeting is that the greeter has taken the Christ out of Christmas, and thus an opportunity for promoting one's Christian faith or simply affirming it to others has been lost. But actually, here are the shoes simply on the other foot. Because for the agnostics and atheists among us, and about 12.5% of Canadians say they have no religious affiliation, a greeting of Merry Christmas does the same thing. Instead of taking the Christ out of Christmas, it takes the empty meaninglessness of existence out of the holiday season. It superimposes some strange myth upon this wonderful time of year, when all that's really happening is that the daylight hours are finally beginning to grow longer. After the winter solstice, in a seemingly endless, endless cycle based on the motion of our planet around the sun, located 93 million miles away, or 150 million kilometers. I was asked to weigh in on, on, on when I think all this will end. If I had given this talk two years ago, I would have predicted that the end to all this nonsense would be December 21st, 2012, when the world was supposed to end according to the Mayan calendar. <laughs> but sadly for the apocalyptic millenarians among us, the world has not ended, at least not yet, but hopefully soon. <laughs> and when it does, I predict that such controversies will finally come to rest. That's my prediction. Of course, one does not need to wait for the end of the world, <clears throat> but only until one's own demise. <laughs> Mind you, for the Hindus, you wouldn't get away that easily <laughs> and be free from greeting anxiety merely by dying because you'd be reborn repeatedly until you saw clearly into the truth that set you free from such conflicts. Death is too easy a way out of one's misery. But on a less frivolous note than our deaths, <laughs> I was surprised to discover that these controversies regarding Christmas are much older than most of us realize. I used to think they were more recently minted problems arising from our growing concerns 
with political correctness and so on. Now, first of all, most of us know that celebrating the season predates Jesus of Nazareth. And that the pre-Christian and non-pre-Christian, the non-Christian celebrants probably have as much right to their terminology at this time of year as anyone else. So happy solstice, Yule greetings, all hail Sol Invictus. You know, these should certainly have rights by virtue of predating Merry Christmas. You can well imagine how unusual it would have seemed to the early Romans, Greeks, Egyptians, and Jews when members of the burgeoning Christian community were going around wishing people a Merry Christmas instead of the traditional greeting of all hail Sol Invictus, the unconquerable or unconquered sun. It would be like neo-pagans today wishing us happy Samhain instead of happy Halloween. How distressing. I suppose before human beings had any religion, we may have all just grunted an atheistic greeting to each other. So Bah Humbug probably should have some pride of place in all of this due to its priority. But surely, you might protest, Christmas has been with us for 2,000 years and has shaped Western civilization in such a profound way that for all intents and purposes, nowadays and in the West, Christmas is the reason for the season. I'm very sympathetic to that line of reasoning. But in my efforts to be true to my discipline as a scholar of religion, uh, I decided to dig around a little bit. And uh, I learned that Christians themselves have had issue with this whole business of Christmas. I don't just mean the business side of Christmas, but its very essence. Did you know that the Puritans, with whom we associate the very fundamentals of Christian culture in the New World, what with a Mayflower, a Plymouth, Plymouth Rock, Thanksgiving turkey, and so on. Those Puritans took great issue with Christmas. When Oliver Cromwell came to power in England in the 1640s, his Puritan party simply banned the celebration entirely, a ban that lasted for over 20 years. They were essentially disgusted with the drunken revelry, the overeating and sensory indulgence, the wasteful extravagance of hard-earned wealth and ostentatious displays, entertainment, and so on. Of course, nowadays, those accusations seem so unreasonable. (laughs) Moreover, they found no biblical justification or injunction commanding Christians to commemorate the birth of Jesus in such a manner. Those Puritan ideas were commonplace in North America, too, and even, like in New England, Christmas was outlawed between 1660 and 1680. In fact, Christmas didn't really gain any momentum especially among Protestant Christians, until after the Victorian period, just a couple of centuries ago. So it's hardly the reason for the season. As a religious festival, Christmas always ranked after Easter, which celebrated Christ's resurrection, and even after Epiphany, which typically falls on January 6th and marks the Gentiles' recognition of Jesus as the Son of God, the visit of the Magi, and so on. Since both December 25th and January 6th have some claim to importance for Christians, and since New Year's Day, January the 1st, falls in between, it would seem that a truly encompassing greeting, such as Happy Holidays, would make a lot of sense. Celebrating the New Year, by the way, goes back to the time of Julius Caesar in about 50 BCE. But for Christians, 
it marked the day of Christ's circumcision. It wasn't fully adopted by Christians in Western Europe until the 18th century, because prior to that, Christians used the Feast of the Annunciation, March 25th, as their New Year's Day. Anyway, I don't see anyone getting upset over the use of Happy New Year as indicative of a war on Christianity instead of the more Christian option, Happy Circumcision Day. (laughs) At least not yet. So there we go. I think I made a good case for Happy Holidays, haven't I? But wait. The word holiday is itself problematic. It derives from Holy Day. And frankly, to the agnostics and atheists among us, this needless sanctification of certain days may be offensive. What makes a day holy anyway? And why do we now refer to any of our days off as holy days, holidays? Maybe just happy January. But that was named after the two-faced god Janus. And who among us worships him anymore? Unless we are politicians. (laughs) But how about happy December? But that would anger the mathematicians because December is no longer the 10th month. Maybe we should just wish each other happy Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so on. But that would be acknowledging a host of other deities like Tew, Woden, Thor, the Norse gods of war, wisdom, thunder, love. I hope by now it's evident that we are hamstrung by language, which has been transmitted to us since antiquity and which is a tapestry woven from the threads of our collective human heritage. Greeting each other is something we've learned to do but which is but a simple outward sign of our attempt to reach out with friendship to our fellow human beings. Confucius, that renowned teacher, said that offering such formal greetings is but the starting place in a process of self-cultivation, which can lead to the betterment of society as a whole. But when we insist that people greet us in a particular way, our self-cultivation and social cultivation has stalled. He would say we've become caught up in righteousness, which tends to become stifling and destructive. Our highest quality is human-heartedness or kindness, which sees through the expected or demanded formalisms to the inner essence of our humanity. When this quality of kindness is widespread within human beings, societies prosper. I should probably end by drawing our attention to the teachings of the Prince of Peace himself and other great Christian teachers. Jesus encouraged us to love each other as we do our own souls and to forgive our fellows for what we perceive to be their feelings 70 times more than whatever level of forgiveness we think ourselves capable of. He urged people to love their enemies and pray for those who abuse us. He also said, and I quote from John Dominic Crossan's The Historical Jesus here, in case some of you take exception to my quote, beware of the scribes who like to go about in long robes and have salutations in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. I'm drawn to the phrase about having salutations in the marketplaces and cannot help but think that this is not just an injunction against a preoccupation with pride and recognition. I think Jesus is also expressing a critique of the stuffy and controlling expectations about proper decorum that have misguided, that misguided members of any elite group 
inflict upon others. Beware those who like to have salutations in the marketplaces may imply beware of the tendency in ourselves to want to be greeted and be greeted in particular ways in the public sphere, ways that we think befit our station in life. And if you feel offended by what was spoken, Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. I'll end now with a quote by Paul of Tarsus. We all know this so well. It reminds us to keep front and center a crucial value that most of us cherish and wish we could actually adhere to throughout the year, but at least at this time of year. Paul says, even if we speak in the tongues of angels but do not have love, we are just resounding gongs and clanging cymbals. He reminds us that love is patient and kind. It does not dishonor others. He reminds us love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So, at this Christmas, as this Christmas holiday or solstice season approaches, let us try to remember what's most important to the spirit of this time. Let us rejoice in the mysterious beneficence of being alive, of being able to share the joys and sorrows of life with others, be they our family, friends, or strangers, and to be graced with the opportunity to delight in the mystery of our existence. And if we can do even a little to ease the burden of others, let us do so joyfully. Warm wishes, everyone. And bon appétit. <laughs>